Well, I was always confident I'd get back. I didn't have a feeling of, of hopelessness or lack of uh, direction. Uh-huh. It was just a matter of something's happened to me. I'm yep. quite sure what. Something, a couple of things don't work. Uh-huh. It won't be long before I um, sort them out again. and get back into it. Yeah. And I still feel like We're good now. So. Cool. Hi everyone, welcome to Melbourne Reconnect. I'm Paul Methurst with Andy Nugent as your hosts, and we're in the Beyond Rest Chill Out space. And today we are having a chat with Scott Shelton. Scott, how you going? Hi, how are you? Very, very well. Andy, um, you've known Scott for longer than I have, so I think uh, I'll throw to you and you can give us a bit of a bit of a bio. And yeah, so um, first of all. Scott's the father of my best mate, Jack. Um, so I've known Scott for over 10 years. Um, very adventurous, able-bodied man as I knew him growing up. Um, and some unfortunate circumstances uh, last year has led Scott to coming in and visiting us once a week here at Beyond Rest. Um, yeah, so that's how you met Paulie Scott from him coming into the centre as part of his um, healing and rehab. But I guess I'll throw over to you, Scott, and you can tell us a bit about what happened when was it, mid-last year. Yeah, about July I had a uh, what's called an AVM hemorrhage in my brain, which um, is like a defect in the plumbing, really, and the burst uh, or has a, a flooding of blood into the brain area and causes a stroke. I lost my, paralysed my left side arm and leg and uh, yeah, ended up in the hospital for, for a fair while, intensive care and uh, two months in a rehab hospital, uh, trying to get things moving again, in a wheelchair and, um, and then when I came out I had, uh, looked at various means of rehabbing with the physios and so forth and I found the, uh, tried the, um, the float tank and that found it really uh, very good for my body from the the, um, the magnesium and the uh, Epsom salts help their muscles a lot, and the uh, resting of the mind and opening up of the calming down and relaxing the mind was very uh, useful as well. So I've continued that ever since. So it's um, an ongoing method now. Yeah. And as part of a much broader rehabilitation routine, can you give us a bit of an insight? Um, I know we chatted about this few months ago that I'm interested in hearing okay. um, what the rehab's about and, and what happens. Yeah, well, basically there's, there's two or three different forms of rehab. One is your, your muscles with the, with the physios, trying to get yourself walking again. And then there's the arm movements and uh, there's your head as well. So you've got to get the brain signals to work, your arms to work. And it's a matter of uh, reconnecting your brain with your muscles to turn them on and off when you want them and which ones. That's an interesting exercise, turning your, having a manual walking uh, or manual for your um, your muscles walking. You've got to turn them on and off as you go. And um, it uh, takes a while. Yeah. Would you and say it's got easier as time has gone on or is it? No, it actually gets harder because you get to more and more fine, finer movements, which is, takes longer to actually get things to work. Like now I'm... You know, I can move my arm and my fingers and I can walk slowly. Um, now, trying to get my fingers to work the whole 
hold a pen or hold a fork and lift up to my mouth. It's a it's a long journey that one. Yeah. And a golf lesson this week. Yes, I had my first golf lesson or have a hit. I was a keen golfer before and a fairly keen skier and um, sport and yachtsman. So I'm keen to get back to everything I was doing before. Mm-hmm. But I think my motorbike license might be cancelled for a while. But, uh, I've just got back to driving with a um, thing called a spinner on the steering wheel, which is like a knob. You can drive one-handed, which is a great re- relief, not having to rely on other people to get yourself around. Mm. More independent again. I can drive over here in the Punt Road traffic. Yeah. Mm. Which is something I'm sure you're looking forward to, tackling Punt Road traffic again. <coughs> yes, it's uh, another experience again from having not to have. For sure. Mm. So some big changes, obviously massive changes in your life in the last 18 months. Um, you're, an arch- you're an architect? Yeah, I was an architect. had my own office and staff. So I shut that down. Uh, I now do a little bit of work from home. Uh, and, um, yeah, this is basically I do five days a week rehab and uh, go to physios, go to OTs, come here and uh, go to golf, things like golf lessons now. Sort of gradually getting back into it. Are the, uh, are the golf lessons, have you got like a coach that specifically, you know, he bases his teachings around rehab or is, are you just going to like just, yeah, run-of-the-mill golf guy? Um, what I've um, set up is a, a friend of mine who's another architect, actually a golf course architect, is in rehab with me here this stroke. And we go and see a coach or a pro at uh, Royal Melbourne who's also had a stroke. So right. everyone knows what they what they're talking about when they're yeah, talking to sure. these and uh, trying to get around them. So yes, he does know about strokes and rehab. Yeah, a couple of different strokes. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, mate, good to hear you back on the golf course. Yes, yeah, good to be back doing things. Cause, yeah, know, it was um, it was funny. I remember probably a week or two after the stroke happened because I remember there was like a little seizure or something maybe a fortnight beforehand yeah after the second second stroke happened I'd had a holiday book to go over and see Jack Scott's son um and Jack had to fly back to um to come see Scott and I remember sitting at his place um he lives in Los Angeles so I was sitting at his place kind of I went over and Jack was coming back a couple of days later and I remember I just had it in my head that he was going to come back with some good news, you know, that like Scott had made a miraculous recovery in the few days that I'd been over in Los Angeles and everything was going to be fine. And I remember um, Jack coming back and the first thing he said was like, it's not great. Um, and for whatever reason, I just kind of thought, you know, I've known Scott for 10 years and, know how much you love to be outdoors and that kind of thing. And I just said to Jack, I can't imagine that your dad, you know, is going to be the guy who has the stroke and that's about it. You know, I said to Jack, I know your dad is a pretty gritty guy, so um, let's see what happens. And it was, what, a month or two after and you stuck to your word of walking out of the hospital, be it very slowly with the walking stick, but... Yeah. Yeah, I was determined to walk out with, with on my own two feet. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, was there, I mean, <clears throat> something that we're obviously interested in working at the float place is the connection between the mind and the body. And I think these days, especially the, uh, the mind body connection is getting less and less in today's society. Would you agree, Paul? Mm. <clears throat> so for you having, you know, probably taken that for granted as we all do for most of our lives, what was, what was that like kind of in those first few days of, um, you know, laying in there, there in the hospital, was there a point where you were like, I'm going to walk out of here or was there, you know, a few days of doubt and thinking, wow, you know, I might never get behind the wheel again or was there always this quiet confidence in you that, you know, that you'd get back to that point? No, I was always confident I'd get back. I didn't have a feeling of, of hopelessness or lack of uh, direction. Uh-huh. It was just a matter of something's happened to me. I'm yep. quite sure what. Something, a couple of things don't work. Uh-huh. It won't be long before I... Um, Sort that out again. and get back into it. Yeah. And I still feel like that. Awesome. In fact, so, I think my golf is going to be better. Yeah. I've got rid of all my bad strokes and the bad swing. Yeah. Oh, starting yeah. off today. <laughs> starting off again from scratch. Um, that's amazing. So there wasn't some fear in there for the first few days where you were just, where you really got pulled under with, with fear or doubt. You just kind of, hey, you know, you seem to, I mean, when you've come in here, you always seem pretty positive and buoyant, but I think behind closed doors, I, I know myself, I have some dark times that I haven't had to deal with um, anything that we've had the scope of things that you've had to deal with. So, you know, how do you deal with and manage when, you, when you're when down and when you kind of feel helpless or upset or sad? Um, you get a, I mean, sitting around the hospital, you get a lot of time to lay around and um, yeah, your mind certainly works on it. A different level to what it does normally because it, a lot of the um, distractions of everyday life are gone, so you can think about things a lot. And there's certainly a sense of um, so being in a really shit float tank, <laughs> yeah, sense of bewilderment about what's going on, what's happened, what's you know what's going to happen. But I think uh, pretty soon I got into a positive attitude and a sense of a different place in my head from where I was, and developed that up to uh, to my, you know to help me get through it. Mm. That was um, certainly it, it, my wife says I've improved because I'm more empathetic now. <laughs> you a bit of a hard ass before. Well, I didn't think I was, but apparently yeah. I'm better. Whatever, whatever I was. Yeah, I just find that so amazing because I deal with stress, and when I have emotions that I kind of struggling with, it's such a physical thing. Mm. You know, like I'll go for a run or I'll do something, but will kind of shift it, but in a hospital bed for a few weeks and, and post that, you don't have that opportunity to kind of rebalance things by just using your body. So yeah, No, you've got to use your, what you lay there into in your head. Yeah. Which is, again, what I think the folk tank enables you to do. It takes the physical world away Yeah, and puts you into a place where you're easily uh, in, in contact with your, uh, with your head again. Can, can you take us into your floats a little bit? Because we've had some awesome chats about what your experience is like in the tank and it's I find it amazing you know not obviously mm-hmm. every float yeah. is not incredible but you've had some pretty I would say mind-blowing experiences in there in terms of the way you kind of map out your own mind and explore that so can you kind of take us 
through some of your more memorable floats or kind of experiences or recurring things that happen in there for you? Well, pretty much it's a what I call a standard you know, experience. I get in there. I don't experience being in a cocoon or in a, in a float tank at all. I experience the sensation of just being inside my head, which is quite a big space. Not that I've got a big head. It's a... An open space, and it's uh, it's a feeling of like being in the night sky. There's you know a lot of volume there, and you just sort of move around in that in that in that space. Really, um, quite often I, there's places in that space which you can go to if you want to, uh, or avoid if you don't want to. And so it's a, a choice of really just not floating, but um, just experiencing the, um, the not nothingness, but the void of no exterior, exterior stimulus, and just uh, listen to your head inside. Mm-hmm. And quite often, it's not a conscious. You can't consciously do it because you, you've got to let your conscious um, settle back into the background, and your subconscious sort of come forward a bit. I think that's the trick to it. You actually got to relax, and it's a bit like meditating. Like you, you try and meditate, you can't if you just relax and float in, <laughs> float into it, or sort of meld into it. You, you can do it. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's, and that's I get into that pretty much instantly when I'm in the tank. Wow! So I don't even see the lights go off or anything like that. So when you talk about like being able to explore different, I think you've talked about it's like different rooms yeah. in there or different, you know, you'll be well, That's just my description being an architect. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it did sound like. Going over the plans. Yeah. But do you, like, how do you come to these points? Are you, you, said, you know, you talked about the spaciousness and that you're, it's very vast. There's obviously, is there a sense of movement when you go? to these places that you can and can't go into or do you feel like you're kind of led there and then it's your choice whether you want to sort of unpack them? Or? Um, there's no sense of movement, it's just a sort of sense of being there and then not being there, you know. Just a, um, as I said, if you try and do something, you won't get you won't get to what you're trying to do. You've just got to sort of um, feel it rather than think it. Yeah. And if you feel you're in you're, you want to go where you want to think, where you want to move into that area, you, you can feel yourself into it. And can you let us know, like, what type of experiences or memories or if you do move into it or feel your way into it, what will you come across? What, what sort of things have you kind of found in there? Oh, um, it's just the thoughts or there's quite often a, um, a visual of like a, like I said, a, a, a paddock with a night sky, lots of stars, and a um, a um, rural fence with um, a lot of greenery around it. Probably something I've experienced a fair bit in my travels. Outback, but uh, something like that. There's a track, and I just moved down it, not walking, not offloading, not doing. Yeah, you know, just moved down it, and um, that's. That's when I have a sense of, of moving somewhere. Other times I'm sort of, uh, as I said, there's rooms or places that have doors and we can open the door or shut, you know, get, 
keep the door shut, but there's not a sense of walking through and there's a sense of you, know, you think or you feel into the space rather than going to it physically. Yeah, it's, it's funny listening to this because I think before I had my first experience in the tank, you know, you read and you hear about all these different things that happen to people in there and I think that, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience, but I think it's kind of um, a pretty, like, general thing that you're describing something that everyone's trying to get to in the tank, you know. They think... I'll just jump in there and shut the lid and then this whole new world opens up and, you you know, you're moving through all these um, different scenarios and seeing all this this crazy stuff. And I think it's so cool that uh, you're able to just jump in there and, and off you go. Um, but I think it's, it's really funny for me personally. I think um, especially the start of the float is usually quite physical. And then I move into that kind of vast mental space that you're describing. But it's um, it's interesting to hear you articulate it because I think that every that's what everyone's gunning for, really. Like, um, unless they're coming in for some sort of um, therapy and that kind of thing. Like when we get mm-hmm. people coming in here for, um, say, a kind of like spiritually based experience let's say i think that's what they have in mind yeah and jumping in as you said like trying to go there in trying to go there you're kind of holding yourself back yeah so it's cool to hear you kind of articulated in that way where you know it's just one of those things um kind of a great example of if you're really um trying for something and you're not quite sure where you're trying to get to um, it can be kind of a bit of a frustrating and uh, uncomfortable experience in that, you know, you might just find yourself laying in the dark in some salty water for an hour waiting for something crazy to happen. So um, was that something that you've kind of developed across your lifetime, like that kind of dream state that you seem to find yourself into or was that something that you got into the float tank and all of a sudden that popped up? in like the first session or the first couple of sessions that you had? Well, I think it's something I had for a fair while. Um, I did do meditation a long time ago. Right. Uh, it stopped it uh, for what I can't remember what reason. But, um, a bit uh, boring? Yeah, it's just a matter of space and time and mm-hmm. you know, life, as I said, life, everyday life overtakes you like you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a little bit more time I can... I can do things. Yeah. Um, I find this float tank a very friendly space. So when I'm getting in, I'm looking forward to it being a nice, warm, comfortable, friendly zone. Right. And it's, that's why it's so quick to zone, zone out or zone into it. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm looking forward to it and I'm anticipating a, a comfortable um, you know, mind, mindset. Um, I do have that experience in other places and um, other times, so it's a like you're a keen camper. Keen camper, the when you're out. certainly has a similar, has similar but a different experience. Yep. You know, quite so. Um, but you know, in the middle of the desert and Gibson or something like that, you can get a sort I guess you'd call it a spiritual or a sense of place. You can get that feeling. 
but uh, it takes a long time to drive there. And, uh, yeah. Well, it's not an everyday experience. What do you think is actually happening in there for you when those experiences are happening? So, for example, do you feel it's part of the healing process for your body or your mind or an emotion or a memory thing, or do you just think they're adventures that are giving you kind of a sense of freedom, freedom and lightness that you don't have at the moment in your physical body? Like what's – do you um, think there's a kind of a method to it? I think there's a method. I think it's just um, a, an experience that I can um, jump into via the tank. Um, it's silly as it, – it does. It is helpful to my re- rehab, but it's not something that, that is a rehab. Um, what do you call it? practice? If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I think it's just something that suits me very well, and I find it very comfortable and and um, helpful to do. Mm. As I said, that a lot of my muscles are contracted or my ligaments are contracted, so then Epsom salts helps that. You know, my arm gives me a lot of trouble with it, so um, I think called spasticity, spasticity in the clones. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I think that, again, it's helped by the, the warmth of the tank and the, uh, the, the magnesium. But um, I think mainly it's a mind experience for me. Mm-hmm. It's a, a pleasant, you know, uh, relaxing and... Um, Enlightening, sort of. I can go to places where I can't every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, think that's a lot of healing to do, and I can get on with it. You know, I just become a bit more aware of what it's doing in the background. Right. Yeah, I think um, it's really cool because I think that can actually be a bit of a, a block for some people. You know, um, that could be one of the things that would deter them from coming to float is to jump in there and you know, see what's hanging around there in the back of their mind, deep down in the, you know, the paddock as you described it. Um, so that's the thing. I think, um, you know, for a lot of friends and family of mine, that's kind of their blockage for coming and, and jumping in the tank. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, for me and probably for you too, Paul, um, the tank I think is a safe place for, you to jump in and explore places that might not necessarily be that comfortable and nice, but I like the way you described the the warmth and sort of supportive nature of the <coughs> excuse me supportive nature of the tank. Um, you know that you can jump in there and you can look forward to it. Have you ever um, had a not so comfortable experience in there where? Um, a distant memory or a thought um, has come up that might not necessarily be that comfortable? Uh, no, I can't say I've ever, ever had that. Um, thoughts do come into your head about various things, all sorts of things. But, um, they come in and they float, just, just let them float out again. Mm-hmm. They don't try and hang on them. Related to what Annie just asked, um, what would be an example of an experience or a door or something that you would choose not to go into then? Um, well, there's a couple of spaces where I, I'm aware of them, but I don't um, feel ready yet to go into them. I don't, I don't know quite what's in there, but I have a sense that it's a lot, um, there's a lot more in there than what I, I know how to deal with at the moment. So just 
passerby. And what what's the feeling that you get when you sort of get close to that door or just a sense that um, there's no sense of fear or anything. It's just there's a place with thing or uh, a feeling that uh, it's more complex in there than I can deal with or know how to deal with. Right. So I can just not go there. Mm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Like just being able to just the way you've described it, it's kind of so natural. I think some people, I certainly have, it's like, no's a dirty word or saying no to something means that, oh, you know, you judge yourself a bit, but you're very comfortable in the fact that you're aware that there's some stuff there, whatever it is. But now you know yourself well enough to be like, well, all in good times. I reckon that's cool. Yeah. You can actually do this. I did a similar thing with pain. You can, you've got pain in your body, it's there all the time. You can actually put that into a, what you might call a room or a box and say, okay, it's over there. I don't I know it's there. I can feel it, but if I need to think about it all the time, I'll get on with something over here. And it's, you know, how you can deal with it. Ongoing, I guess, what they call chronic pain or you know, constant pain. Um, I think probably the exact opposite of a uh, float tank would be uh, intensive care unit, which is it's noisy as hell. There's alarms going off. There's people screaming, dying, doing all sorts of things. And um, that's, that's I have as I put myself into a similar sort of state in the float tank, is it? In the intensive care unit. So I use the similar um, um, mindset to get rid of all the distractions. And when they have everything. Every machine in the world that's going beep and alarming, um, going off right next to your ear. Some bloke next to me had, had his chest x-rayed in bed. There were about 30 people hanging around. They brought the x-ray machine in. and uh, He was having his lungs sucked, lungs sucked out with a suction machine, uh, which was nice and noisy. Yeah, it sounds like a shit flow. Yeah, yeah but that, that's intensive pain. That's... There's hospitals and you know, people are dying, but uh, that's the opposite. So this is very comfortable compared to that. Right. Is thinking back to that um, intensive care experience might be something that's very like very uncomfortable for people to think back to, you know? And it seems that you're pretty. No, wasn't uncomfortable. I mean, it was, it was a very uncomfortable place to be. For sure. And you couldn't do anything. You know, I couldn't go to the toilet, couldn't eat, couldn't, you know, I was connected with a thousand sheep sticking down. Yeah. There was a guy across the road yelling and screaming that he was going to kill everyone. He was tied down to his bed because he was yeah. thrashing around, pulling his tubes out. Um, was, was there a point in the intensive care unit where you were like, I'm going to have to get a handle on, you know, my thoughts and feelings to my reactions towards what's going on around me or did you just kind of wake up and think I've got this no, I think yeah, yeah took a few days to work in yeah. yourself around and work out what the hell was going on with your body and, and your surroundings and you have to sort of um, yeah learn how to deal with it and that's where I think I learned the, the positivity of uh, my you know using my own experience my incapacity to become you know, more positive in my head. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, you can just go downhill quick. So it was, um, 
you know, an adverse situation like that, you um, you learn how to deal with it, or you don't deal with it. Yeah, you've got the option. Yeah, that's right. So uh, you come out of it with the, with the tools to uh, you know help you deal with those sort of places and in events. Definitely. Your life before you had the stroke. Um, what do you think? Obviously, so much has changed. If you hadn't had the stroke, would your life have continued to on the same type of trajectory? Like, can you talk a little bit about the contrast of your life pre and post yeah. stroke, and maybe like reflect a little bit on if there was any factors that you think contributed to having a stroke, or was it just bad luck, or what's your kind of, kind of sense of the whole event and how it's kind of shaped your life? Well, I think medically, the um, AVM was caused by. Uh, vein malfunction in the brain which was there from birth apparently mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of it activating and uh, um, lifting heavy weights is apparently one of the uh, um, things which I did just before the stroke um, You're back in the gym? No, no, I was actually lifting a printer up to my office on the second floor and gotcha. 180 kilos and there was four people carrying but it was awkward that could have been one of the, the initiators of it to activate. But, uh, yeah, who knows? It's just one of those things that's hidden in your body. You don't know it's there. No one knows what's going on. Yeah. I would have never found it if it didn't activate. Yeah. So um, from that, um, I think previously my you know, life involved a lot of sport, involved a lot of, you know, um, travel and uh, and obviously working five days a week or six days a week sometimes. I think that was just going on, and it's been a big change. Not not going to the office every morning. I've got two or three hours more a day that I didn't have before when I was commuting, and um, so I've had to readjust my whole working or my thinking on my uh, my living around not working as much and. Doing other things like rehab and um, learning how to turn muscles on and off and things in quite hard sort of um, rehab um, exercises and quite frustrating trying to make your fingers do things and they can't want to or don't. Um, so that's my life really is just rehab now, but a little bit of side. You know, living trapped on the side of it. Um, but I'm fairly positive. I'm looking forward to getting a lower handicap in golf than I had before and um, getting back into snow skiing. And a few other, I don't have any sense that I'm not going to be doing that soon. It's more a um, sense of how quickly I can get back into it. Awesome. And you're quickly getting all of your, seems like you're getting all of the different parts that make you so independent back with driving and. Yeah, hobbies and you know that type of thing was it that wasn't there for a few months after your stroke how did it feel having to rely more on your family and well was pretty that, awkward was that yeah i don't like relying on anyone i had to have drivers and ubers and all that sort of thing um and when you have a stroke and a seizure you're banned for 12 months from driving straight out so that's automatic um so, and that wasn't an easy thing to get back to. I had to do an eye test and a, a cognitive test and then, then an hour and a half physical driving test with two people in the car looking at me. 
making sure I could do things. That was a quite a, a daunting task to get through. That's that's been good. So gradually I'm getting my independence back. Uh, walking to three k a week, you know, a day, and uh, working on various other things. So it's, it's getting there. But now you realise, oh, I realise now it's going to be another year at least before I get my full or you know, acceptable motion back in my arms and arm. And uh, I've uh, started very rudimentary. Um, I can't really walk yet, but I'm starting to rudimentary um, first moments of uh, trying to run and walk a bit faster. Wow. Which is fun. Of walking fast down a ramp and trying try not to fall over. Yep. But, um, all your little goals and stuff become rehab goals instead of life goals. Of moving a finger one way is a, is a goal. Yeah, picking it's a huge one. Picking up a glass and drinking it without getting it to your mouth. Well, getting it to your mouth and then drinking it is another one. That's, I'm getting close to that now. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine, like, just what you said about having life goals, I think, um, is something that everyone has a bit of trouble with, you know, like, you spend your life kind of, you know, trying to dream up these goals, what do I want to do, what do I want to do, how am I going to do it, um, you know, I want to be here in my career at this age and I want this much money and this and this and this and I guess you know for it to flip on a dime like it did you know something that was um you know completely out of your control Mm. um yeah I'm I'm just astounded and in awe of the you know the um the attitude that you took pretty quickly you know um after that happened, I mean, you know, you, you hear of that happening to other people and it can be it, you know, that's kind of, they're like, well, I can't move my arm anymore. I guess I'll, someone will have to drink for me and I can't lift my leg. Someone's going to have to, you know, walk for me. I saw a lot of that in rehab. People were coming, you know, be very upset and distraught and um, uh, on the verge of giving up on doing things. Mm. That's why I think my wife thinks I'm more empathetic because I was, you know, I felt empathetic towards them and I was trying to help them get their self lift, get their um, thoughts in more positive ma- manner and get on with it. Yeah, what what would be your, the way that you do that, You like your technique, would you just be like, hey, suck it up, check me out, I'm driving <laughs> again? Or is it like, you no, know? No, you just do when, you, when you're in a similar situation and they can see you're the same, mm. it's just a matter of talking and being, uh, listening to them and saying this is the way I'm doing it. Mm. And they can choose to um, emulate that or get themselves into a positive manner. Mm. So there was one poor guy who was having a seizure, five seizures a day in, in rehab and he was just laying there thinking, life sucks, or this, you know, this is this is my life. You know, yeah. Talk, just talk to him. And, you know, he did some. Uh, he started doing some uh, yoga nidra meditation and uh, cut it back a bit. So it was a positive move for him. Uh-huh. 
But yeah. That's how you attack life, really. Yeah. For sure. Um, what would be your, yeah, your biggest advice to people? Stay to positive. Stay positive. Yeah. yeah. Positivity is everything. So doesn't matter what you're thinking, if you're positive about it, you'll, you'll move towards the, towards your goal. And is positivity, what does that mean specifically to you? Is it just the thoughts that you choose to think? Yeah, or it's the you thoughts that you, you can do, you know, what you can't at the moment, and you will be out there soon, and it's not a matter of I can do it in one day or one week or whatever. It's a matter of you will be able to do it soon. It's just a matter of setting if you set a goal and you can't make it, you have to set a smaller goal and make a little, a little bit, and you just have to segment it down until you are making the goals and you start to get a positive feel that you can do it. Once you get that, then you then you move forward. But if you get failing or you you're not making those goals and you think, oh, I'll give up, that's when you go backwards. I think. So it's, and uh, yeah, it's like. Starting golfing and, and scratch my attitude as well. Got rid of all my bad swing and strokes. I'm starting from scratch. I'm going to. I'm, I'm aiming in my head at a higher or a lower handicap than I was playing with before. But uh, I know that'll take a, a fair while to get to. But already my my swing, even be very convoluted from the forearm and grip. I can hardly grip the bloody club. Um, is a better format or a better plane than it was before because I'm, I'm, my knowledge of my muscles in my body is vastly superior to what it was before. And I don't have a history of trying to use my arms to do things I shouldn't be doing. I'm just listening to the, you know, the pro and moving my body as it should be, yep. as, as it's told to be, yep. which you know, I don't think I was very good at before. Yeah, I think that... um that positive thinking I, I think it's really cool to hear that from someone like you Scott who's been through something huge and life-changing like a stroke you know that I think that gets thrown around pretty flippantly these days like just think positive and everything will kind of you know unfold for you but I think that that can kind of be misconstrued you know I think um especially in your situation it's like um, remaining positive, especially the, about the things that a lot of people would think it would be impossible to stay positive over, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's, as I said before, and I've said about, you know, being in a tank, it's more a sense of feeling positive than thinking positive. Mm. Uh, you actually feel positive about something you, 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 uh, uh, you undertake the task or whatever you're doing in a different manner to how you would have feel. You weren't feeling feeling positive, mm. and I think if you try and think positively, then, then you may not get to that positivity. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's you know another really good way of putting it because I think people can trip themselves up by you know shit. I've been thinking positively about where I want to get to in my career or relationships or this and that, but when it's you know, it's it's not quite working out for them. They're like this thinking positively thing is bullshit. You know, like I've been thinking positively, but if they're not kind of going peeling back that layer and going a little bit 
you know, deeper, opening their mind up to the, um, you know, other ways of going about what they're doing. Um, yeah, I think that's where people can get really stuck with the thinking positive things. So, yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it, like the feeling of it, um, you know, and if there's like a negative feeling towards your rehab or, or you know, your your golf swing or that kind of thing, I guess that feeling's going to kind of um, push you in that direction, you know, but the positive feeling you know, I can just, I can see you're a, you're a great example of that positive feeling moving you in a, in a certain direction, you know, that isn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily be seen by other people as wholly positive. But, you know, if that feeling's there, it seems to be moving you in the right kind of direction. Yeah. Feel it, do it, do it, you know, a little, set yourself little goals yeah. daily or weekly monthly whatever and then achieve them and move on so you you get a forward motion in mm. your head mm. for sure that's what i've got out of this chat just reflecting on my own life is that i sometimes wonder why i don't feel more positive about certain things but what i've got from look from the talk today is that you need the goals to channel that positivity into you need to have the things in your life that you might necessarily want to grow or improve on so i think from, from this chat what i've got out of it is just how important setting goals can be um in, in anyone's life not just coming back from what you're coming back from but i think it's something that i forget sometimes that can at times feel a little bit aimless and, and then you sort of fall into some negative ways of thinking but what i've got out of it is i've got if i've got some goals and i can channel yeah well sometimes people set their goals too high or too big yeah. and they think why are getting them Whereas they need to pull back a bit and set them smaller and then get a momentum of moving forward towards the bigger goal. I think that's the that's the trick to it, to actually achieve some of the little things, little steps on the way. Mm, for sure. So with the floating, last couple of questions, I reckon. Yeah. Um, what was your perception of floating before you floated and what how what, what is it like now, a year and a half in? Yeah, um, I can't remember my perceptions before other, other than Hopping in a small tank and um, you know, with a blackness was sort of a funny thing to do. But uh, now I, it's I, I kind of remember you always being pretty receptive to it, though. Yeah, receptive to the mind stuff. Yeah, like the I remember of the, of the tank and the and the water, you know, and the water and the mm. the blackness. I was thinking. Mm. It's something I'd like to try, but nothing I was keen on. But now yeah. it's just so comfortable and so um, such a normal and friendly, as I said, a friendly, uh, warm experience. I love it. Great. A um, couple of little quick questions that I like to ask. What do you most like about yourself, Scott? And what are you? What's what's something about yourself that you may be a little uncomfortable with? Most like about myself. Um, I guess my ability to think or assess a situation in a, in a, and look at it from a positive angle, even if it's not that positive a situation, mm-hmm. e.g., my uh, my stroke, because I see, I see that as being a, a positive thing that's happened to me, 
because it's re, you know it's re, reset my whole brain in a different manner and different form. Rather disruptive to your life, but you know, wouldn't recommend it as a method. But uh, it's um, stroke therapy from a positive side of it. <laughs> it has uh, it has done that. And uh, uh, what I don't like it was it. Don't like yeah, it. just something that you know you don't like it. Uncomfortable, you know. Oh, probably yeah. a bit too quiet. Um, you know, sometimes get dawned by social situations and just clam up. But uh, yeah, I think that's a common common failing. Yeah, I'm not gregarious. Do you want to be? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you do when you're you know, crowd and you want to be the um, you, know, you want to be the life of the party, but you, you don't feel comfortable enough to do it. Yeah, so you just pull back a bit. Yep. So it's um, hmm. that's better. The two best things that have come out of having a stroke for you. So probably the sense of awareness of my own mind. Uh, in my body, that the two things going together, and probably the tra- life-changing you know, format of my life has just completely changed from you know, working for, as I said, five days a week and and living a fairly active physical life to being much more uh, um, cognizant of my own thinking and having to work through doing things physically. Learning how to walk and and do everything again, but I'm sure I'll be through it in a year or two, and I'll be, I think I'll be in, in a better space than I was before, albeit having to go through this painful period. And I, yeah. don't feel, I don't have a feeling that I'm not going to get there. It's, as I said, it's just a matter of how long it takes. Um, and next goal is obviously golf, and then you've talked about getting back on the slopes again. You're a keen skier. I'm a keen skier. Yes, I'm. I actually feel in my head like I've, I've had no trouble skiing. It's just standing up, uh, walking up. around on icy ground. I wouldn't be able to do yep. at the moment. Um, but Any, anyway, that's, anything beyond that? Just in the back of your mind that you think, oh, this is you know. oh, bush walking and things like that. Yeah, I'd like to get back into it. Driving across Australia in the des- deserts. That's another goal. Yep. But. Um, yeah, Got to get the glass of water to your mouth before you start doing that. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the beer too. Yeah, 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 there you go. couple you, more goals. Any other questions or you, you're going to finish with the big question, but is there anything else you want to chat about before we move on to that? Um, not really. I mean, you know, there's there's things that, um, you know, questions that I had, um, but they've, you know, pretty much all been answered. Um mm-hmm questions that I had for Scott but yeah I mean not really really cool insight into something that um you know could potentially be a ruin for a lot of people's lives you know um so it's just so great to hear someone be able to look at it you know as a as a positive thing you know people some people might hear that and sit there scratching their heads thinking well what's he on about but um you know i've i've definitely seen a change in um in your kind of um it's the best way to describe it like your 
energy or demeanor. demeanor. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, really good word, actually, demeanor. So, um, yeah, I mean, not saying that I'm glad you had a stroke, well, Scott. You know, you've but you've known me for a fair while, so you have seen the change. The changes. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you said, yeah, it was a real disruption. You know, I, I know um, that it was really tricky for the family and that kind of thing, but um, it was really great to see you know everyone band together, like, and uh, and just get behind you. But I, I, th- I think the coolest bit was that it was just I could see this quiet confidence in you that you were like, I'm going to get through this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess without that doesn't matter how much support you have from the people around you. I think without that mindset, it's, you know, you're going to be banging your head against a wall. So yeah, it um, certainly, help, certainly helps. Have, I've had a very supportive family for sure. structure around me and yep. um, wife and, and kids, Jack and Maddie. But, um, you know, you've certainly got to be, you've got to have it inside you as well. Exactly, yeah. Mm. It's a, um, yeah whole package kind of thing. What would you say to someone who's suffering chronic pain or has had a stroke or, you know, hasn't tried floating? I mean, obviously, we can't put your whole recovery down to floating as part of a, a much broader plan, but it's played a big part or it's played a significant yeah. part. What so would you say to someone who may listen to it and think, well, maybe, yeah, what would you say? I'd say it's a really useful tool and it's a very handy uh, way of... Uh, Getting yourself into, a, into a, um, a mindset that's very very useful for your rehab. But um, I find it, as I said, very friendly, very warm, very good sort of comfort. It's a comforting thing to get into the tank and get, get into my mind, and um, that's a good space to be in when you when you're rehabbing because it's where the action is. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it, and I'd recommend um, you know doing some other meditative. Activities as well to train your mind. If you haven't ever done it before, train your mind to, to you know what meditation is and how to how to um, deal with your you know how to move around in your head. Because yeah. you know, as, as I've been saying, little steps is um, you know, I think the tank's a really good device and a really good methodology of doing it. But if you haven't got inside yet to um, to uh, use it, yep. then you're not going to go anywhere. You just sit in there and think, what am I doing in there? For sure. Yeah, I think that's an important point and why I think if you're going to really try floating, especially for this type of thing, you've got to give it the respect that it needs because of the fact that it's probably going to take you three to five goes to be yeah. able to get past that initial noise to be able to start moving into the spaces, unless you've got another practice that you do regularly. Um so, yeah, if you're going to give it a go, then I think you've got to commit to it for three to five goes to really get a sense of, of what it can do for you. Yeah, if, you, if you're, anything, you're thinking about the tank or you're listening to yourself breathe or anything like that, you're really not in this right zone. You've, you've got to be out of that if you're all together. So your physicality has got to be zero. The big question? That's the big question. Next question. Do you want me to ask? It? Yeah. So we always ask this question. Something about Nick's favourite one. And the question is, um, there was a study done, I don't know exactly when, but there was a study done, a famous study, Nick says, um, 
scholarly study. Where people were interviewed, a large body of people were interviewed <coughs> on their deathbed, and 75% of them um, regretted that they hadn't lived a life that was true to themselves. So in the context of that statement, how do you feel you're living your life at the moment? That's interesting. Um, I would have said I'm coming back to a more um, closer relationship between what I want to do in, in my life and what I'm actually doing via, via the, the um, method of having, having a stroke and having everything stop. Stroke therapy. Yeah. It's bringing you into a more authentic yeah. path. It has. It's forced me to stop, completely stop what I'm doing and get on with Take a re- review the paths and say, okay, well, this is the path I can go, I can go down, and these are the ones I want to go down. Awesome. Um, not a recommended method, but certainly a um, bit of a shortcut. Yeah. Or a long cut, depending on which way you look yeah, at it. Yeah, it does take a while to get through. Yeah. Well, mate, I yeah, love the chat, love having you in. I often talk to Andy about how much I love having you in here. And, um, yeah, it's a pleasure. I've only ever known you from when you first walked up um, our driveway and I just I really enjoy your company and just it's, it's inspiring to just see what you're going through and you handle it with, from what I see, with a lot of grace. Um, and, it, yeah, it puts my life into context because uh, comparatively I have a pretty pretty easy life that I tend to get pretty um, caught up with. And, um, and yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you and it's good to have this chat and I, I definitely take plenty away from every time you visit in this chat. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming down, Scott. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. No worries. Uh, just one more thing, Paul. I just One of my little goals is to get in and out of the tank. Uh-huh. It has been my goal for the last year and a half by myself and I've achieved half of it by getting into the tank by myself and I'm still struggling with the last bit, so... Yeah. I've got a few more months of uh, to um, get myself out of the tank. I'm yeah. all slippery and wet yeah. without falling over. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a sad day for me because I'll be <laughs> redundant. But, um, yeah, we'll have to uh, have a beer to celebrate that one, mate, for sure. We will. <laughs>